Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have a number of people we're going to be talking with, and over the next month, we're going to be talking with people who were around and who were involved, who witnessed uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s only visit to Seattle, and it was primarily because of the, uh, his relationship with the late Reverend Dr. Samuel Berry McKinney and other people at Mount Zion, like my next guest, uh, Reverend Dr. Phyllis Beaumonte, who is associate pastor at Mount Zion, also is a historian uh, for the church and probably for the greater Seattle community. So uh, Reverend Bo Dr. Beaumonte, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And uh, you know the affiliation that Mount Zion had with Dr. King. So why don't you just share some of your memories uh, of that visit and what led up to the visit? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. When Dr. King uh, visited Seattle, and by the way, this is the only time that he did visit Seattle, 60 years ago, it'll be 60 years next month, it was in 1961, and uh, Dr. King, uh, McKinney extended to him the invitation to come to Seattle. As you know, the nation was embroiled with a lot of unrest and discrimination and bigotry, which still remains today, as a matter of fact, in many cases. Uh, and Dr. McKinney felt that uh, with Dr. King coming to speak at what was called the Brotherhood uh, series of speakers that uh, Mount Zion traditionally had every year, that it would be a good thing to inspire uh, African Americans here in Seattle. And because he and Dr. King were classmates at Morehouse College in Atlanta, they, uh, they had a, a rapport going and a relationship going. And so when Dr. King, when Reverend McKinney rather extended to Dr. King, the invitation to come, he accepted. Now, initially, they had planned to have him speak uh, at Mount Zion, but if you recall during that time, the new sanctuary had not been built. That did not come about until 1976, and so we were in the old red brick church uh, on 19th Avenue, and the capacity certainly would not have held um, the large crowd that was expected. So what Dr. McKinney did was to arrange for him to speak at the First Presbyterian Church, which was much, much larger. What happened was that at the last minute, the First Presbyterian pastor and uh, officers declined to host the event. And they had a variety of excuses, uh, but we knew the underlying factor was racism, and they felt that Dr. King was just a very controversial uh, individual, and they did not want to accommodate it. So Dr. McKinney went to work and made arrangements for Dr. King to speak at the University of Washington campus. And he spoke to over 2,000 people, young people. And it was an interesting uh, speech because there were uh, words in his speech title that really challenged the young people. Uh, I believe the name of the speech was Segregation, 
and the civil liberties, implications for students. And what that did, implication means consequences that may happen, was to challenge those young people to reflect and to think about that they, as being future leaders, as students, what were they going to offer? What were they going to uh, do as it relates to segregation and the future of civil liberties in this country? The next thing he did was to try to find another uh, part of the venue and the agenda that was established. And so the next thing, I do believe he went to the um, Jewish synagogue, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Temple de Hirsch. Pardon? Temple, Temple de Hirsch, Sinai. Correct, correct. And uh, he visited quite a few places and spoke at quite a few places. He ended up at the Eagles Auditorium, which is now the Axe Theater, uh, that same venue. Uh, and the thing that really impressed me during this, this whole time that he was here, that when he left, he left a, uh, an impact because from his visit, so many things and so many people were inspired. Uh, for example, um, the landmarks, so to speak, informally that King brought about was, for example, uh, Harrison School was renamed Martin Luther King Jr. and is still there. It's an elementary school, and that was in 19... 92, uh, I believe, or 1992, or was it 1974? I'm sorry. I, I think it was in the 70s because I think my son Brian yeah. had one of the votes uh, during the class during that, that uh, name change to Dr. King. Right, absolutely. And then later on in 1982, Empire Way was changed to Martin Luther King Way. And I know, Eddie Rye, you know all about that because you were one of the leaders that brought that about. In 1986, um, they changed the name of, well, they changed of who King County was named after. Ironically, it was the same last name, but they made that change uh, to Martin Luther King Jr. County. Um, and then uh, in 1999, I believe, the state even passed a law renaming the county in a more formalized manner, Martin Luther King County. And so I'm just saying... Reverend Bomani, uh, what happened uh -huh. is that Adam Klein introduced legislation eight times beginning in 1999, and it was passed and signed a law officially in 2005 by Governor Christine Gregoire at the new Martin Luther King Jr. County Courthouse. I see. In 1991, Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Park was dedicated, and I believe you and Charlie James. Now, Charlie James was the leader of that. As a matter of fact, Morial had it, Brooke McKinney, Sam Smith, Sam Kelly, uh, and uh, Herm McKinney. And Charlie James was really the person that came up with the idea, and other people really put, put the, uh, uh, the finishing touches on it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And in 99... Well, you know, uh, Rev... Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead, Rev. Go right ahead. No, no, you you go ahead. No, I was just saying... So, so uh, no, I, I just said, uh, we're going to be having something on, and uh, how much... You have quite a bit of history, so we need you to come back on. I don't have, didn't have enough time today to come back on and finish the story. But right now, I'd we know to. that... that uh, Lanisha De Bartlebin, uh, uh, the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, is doing an outstanding job with the crew in organizing the 60th anniversary uh, celebration of Dr. King's visit. So I want to thank you today, but we're going to have you back on because we you got some more histories that our people need to hear. Okay, thank you for having me, and God bless. Okay, and God bless you as well. Bye. Uh, my next guest is uh, uh, Greg Winston who is the founder of Biodiverse. Uh, he's based out of California. I read some of uh, uh, the, uh, the information that he sent to me. Greg, are you there? I'm here. Okay, buddy, it's, uh, it's good to hear you. Good and, and see your face. It's good to see you. Uh, why don't you explain to our listeners, and I, I have, we have about eight minutes, so I'll let you know. I want you to, and, and you've been on radio before, so you know how to handle all this, and also been an <laughs> outstanding entrepreneur and presenter and sales guy. I know you can do it, but why don't you just start by explaining to our listening audience what Biodiverse is? Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate being here. Um, Biodiverse is the largest minority marketplace in the world. It's measured by members, revenue, diversity, and inclusion. And what we're doing is we're helping minority companies uh, go from extreme losing to extreme winning. And we're trying to cause real significance. And so uh, give us an example on uh, how this whole thing functions, how people can get information, and actually how uh, uh, vendors can participate. Okay. So if you can imagine uh, a marketplace that looks like uh, Black Wall Street or Bronzeville in Chicago or 9th Street in Little Rock back in the day, that's what this is, but it's, it's brought to the Internet. So if a person has a product, Eddie, and they've done a good job of bringing that product to market, but they don't know how to sell it that well, they don't know how to market, we can help them with that. And the simple way is just send us an email, info at buydiv.com. So it's short for biodiverse. So info at buidiv.com. And what happens then is that we work with them to help them get their product online. We support them. And if we reach over a million, over eight, 18 million people each month, so we're going to help them to market their product in a completely different way. Greg, with you saying that, give up the information one more time, because we know we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs uh, and getting stuff on the market is the biggest challenge. And, and by what you're doing right now is like, this is like a little mini Amazon almost, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, I, I, I that, and it's really dynamic because the other thing, too, is that uh, I'm going to have uh, the uh, president CEO of the National Urban League on later on in the hour. And tomorrow they're doing their tech summit that's online. Today was their small business event. And okay. you might want to check out uh, the National Urban League. Uh, they're, they're online. They're having a virtual conference today. I think it's over because it's 514 there. But they have other workshops in the evening. And tomorrow is their tech summit. So, man, you really need to plug into that and share some of your wisdom with those folks and also maybe get some other hookups because I know Mark Moriel would be very supportive of what you're doing. Well, I, I like that idea. I've actually spoken to the 
uh, Urban League uh, at some of their annual events, so they know me. But here's the thing I want to tell you. You hit it on the head. Eddie, most people who come up with a product are good at creating that product. What I'm good at and where I've spent my time, and you know this from me working in at uh, Xerox and CVS and so forth, I can help them to get that product to the market and I can showcase it to the market at a higher level than they could. And you have to keep in mind that we're gonna have thousands of people here, so proximity works. Somebody buying your product is gonna see something else. And that's why I think we can create that, uh, that Wall Street uh, feel to it. And that'd be great to have a black Wall Street that's not being burned now. But anyway, I, <laughs> I'm just saying. Say that, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but uh, no, the thing is, is that now when people put their product, they could be any kind of, they could be like an artist that might have artwork. Yep. Uh, they could be any kind of product that, that's marketable. And I guess, uh, do, uh, do you make the, uh, I, uh, the selection on this? Is there a cost for it? Uh, what exactly uh, is incumbent upon an entrepreneur to do to participate with Biodiverse and have well, their products exposed on your, your platform? The first thing they need to do is use that email I gave, info at buydiv.com, B-U-Y-D-I-V.com. So here's what happens. Uh, there's a brother who is from Memphis, now living in California. His name is Prep Curry. He's the first brother to do something with Banana Republic. He's on our site. So what we're doing is we're taking the clothes he's already done, his designs, and we're showing them to the world. And I believe that's what people need right now, Eddie, is a way to market their, their information. And it's, it's for all minorities. You know, it's, uh, we have uh, uh, Hispanics. Um, we have uh, what they call uh, Native Americans in Canada called First Nation. So I just think that it's, it's an idea whose time has come. And Greg, I certainly agree with you. And this platform, I tell you one thing, uh, I want to make sure I promote this. As a matter of fact, I got your picture on Facebook giving a lecture. I'm going to include uh, on that Facebook post uh, your information so people can reach out to you, including your phone number and your uh, email address so people can reach out. Because I know there are a lot of people who got fantastic ideas and a lot of times capitalization, you know, try if, if you're doing something at your home and and it's, uh, it's something that's marketable. Hey, yeah. pretty before you know it, you might have a factory. That's exactly right. With, yeah. So you got to, you know, so there's nothing wrong with starting small. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also, I'm not going to discourage anyone if you have a big idea to pursue that as well. But I just think uh, what you have is an excellent idea in terms of uh, giving people access uh, to the marketplace is what you're doing. So, uh, Greg, give us a, a little more information. How long have you been doing this? How many customers do you have? How many products do you have on your platform? Uh, Eddie, I've been doing this for about nine months now. And um, the number of people, like we don't launch for another two weeks. So I'm not sure the exact number we have, but let me just give you some names we're talking to. You remember Les Brown? The, uh, oh yeah. So Les is there. We're talking to uh, Layla Ali, Ali's daughter. Um, I mentioned Prep Curry. Um, but there, there are thousands of people who are smaller who you wouldn't know, and that's the goal, to make those people uh, get to the point where people know them. So I'm just excited to be able to offer this. And Eddie, this goes all the way back. If you look at all of those um, cities that had um, Black Wall Streets, Ferris Street, um, Sweet Auburn in Atlanta, we're just updating and bringing it to the internet. Mm. 
Well, in Seattle, it used to be Madison Street and Jackson Street, but that was a long time ago. You you wouldn't know those streets today. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, a lot of that's because of not being in the economic loop. That's what happens yeah. when you're not, uh, when you're not in the economic loop, you don't have that that wealth. And the generational wealth wasn't passed on due to a lot of things like redlining. Yeah. But uh, this is something that's real positive to get like, as James Brown would say, get you back on the good foot economically. That's and true. so it's a fantastic idea. Uh, whatever uh, I could do to help, or if you have updates and stuff, then you have a platform you can use right here. So I just want to let you know that. So well, I appreciate uh, that. Uh, so we got products. And the first thing folks got to do is call info. Right, right. Use that email, info at buidiv.com. Okay, and I'll also put that on the, on the Facebook uh, page as well. So yeah. uh, now, uh, in terms of, uh, I, I mentioned the Urban League. Do you, and I guess it would be pretty difficult the last couple of years to have any major conventions, but have you been circulating, uh, doing speeches and stuff around the country or what? Yeah, I've been working around the country, mostly with Fortune 500 companies, and now I'm taking that same training and bringing it to this uh, platform. Um, and, and Eddie, I know you know this, but we're helping people get to uh, minority supplier money. AT&T has $3.1 billion designated for minorities, but most of us don't know how to get to it. So we help them to sell, we train them, and we help them to get minority supplier money. Okay, brother, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put, uh, put your contact info on my Facebook page underneath your picture. Greg, we'll stay in touch, man. I like what you're doing. This is what our people need. I've been struggling with this whole share of public dollars for minorities, especially African descendants of the United States enslaved for the last 40 years. And I really like what you're doing. So this could really be a change changer. So thank you very much, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. All right now. All right. Goodbye. Okay. Our next guest is uh, Nichelle Alderson, owner of Infinitely Well, a social work therapist that is conducting, uh, 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 I guess, a five-week workshop. So, Nichelle, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again. How you doing? Are you on mute? Apparently, I have to unmute to talk. <laughs> All right. Now we got it going on. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Well, infinitely well. Um, Give our listeners like a quick overview of the kind of services you provide uh, in your practice. Yeah, we are um, all about focusing on whole self wellness, the holistic wellness, all of you as one personal whole being. And so with that, we think about what, you know, you go through mentally and physically and socially and spiritually and come up with solutions and services and products that support with whole self well-being. So I personally provide mental wellness therapy, nutritional um, therapy, and life coaching along with um, making some wellness products like mood food sprays and incense and bath salts and things like that to help to ease the mind and the body. Um, but I also teach classes and have a team of clinicians that do um, similar and different things than myself. So we are a well-rounded, integrated practice. Well, you know, my last guest is a person I think you need to hook up with because you got all these products and he has a platform. So, so that might just work out well. So now you also do specialty kind of classes and training mm -hmm. and you have something coming up on Saturday. Can you share with our, our listeners exactly 
what that is? Yeah, you know, this is what I have found in my practice. I've been in practice 10 years, um, been in the field for a lot longer than that, closer to uh, 20 years or so. But what I've learned is that what goes on underneath the hood, meaning if we were able to peel back the skin and see how the body actually works and functions, we would have a much better understanding of how our mood swings are actually coming to be and what those pains actually um, are the result of based on what we're putting in our body. And so if we had more information, if we knew how our bodies worked, we might have less pain, less confusion about how we can take care of ourselves. So this five-week class is um, really a lifestyle changer. It's going to teach and educate us um, on how things like digestion really work from the brain to the toilet. You know, take a pause and think about that for a moment. There is a process that happens from the time that we actually see, smell, and perceive the sight of food um, that our body is beginning to the digestion process, if it is supported, if it is hydrated, if it is in a parasympathetic nervous state. But if we're constantly having gut issues and the bloating and, you know, the bubble guts and all these different things and not associating that to our lack of parasympathetic nervous space, meaning we are not relaxed, we cannot digest in that space. We don't know better, we can't do better and we'll continue to suffer. So I teach about those real facts and basics, um, how blood sugar regulation really works right? Why those ebbs and flows of energy seem to come day in and day out, um, what the cravings are really about and what your body might be asking for and begging you for um, nourishment instead of what it's getting. So I'll teach you about how all that works, what replacements and choices you could make instead. I'll teach you how to identify the healthy fats that you really do need in your body. There are nine essential fatty acids that your body cannot make if you don't eat the ingredients that converts into fatty acids. And our fatty acids and amino acids are what turn into the hormones that help us to see the world in the way that we do as sad and gloomy or stressful or, you know, anxiety provoking. And so if we better make connections between those things, what we put in our body, but also on our body, our largest organ, and, and what we saturate our mind with, with what we listen to, read, take in visually, and then we might better understand how the toxins are flowing through us and in us. And so this class is really designed to take all of those real valuable nuggets that you can take with you for the whole rest of your life and apply them so that you um, don't have to go see somebody else to help you help yourself. Uh, give us information on, on how people can hook up with you and also information on the class that's beginning. Is it a five-week course that begins on Saturday? It is. It is a five-week course that begins on Saturday. It has a built-in, wait for it, a built-in three-week sugar and processed food elimination. So if you have been saying how you're ready to get a, kick the sugar and you know you need to get rid of this, this is a class that's going to help to support you to do that. Um, so five weeks, we're going to prepare first. We're not going to dive in without the tools and things to help you be successful. But I'm going to give you the meal plans and the shopping list and the recipe book and the group support and accountability um, in addition to the teaching. So the class runs from 11 to 1230 on every Saturday in October. You can um, sign up online. My website is liveinfinitelywell.com. And if you hit a forward slash restart, R-E-S-T-A-R-T, you can find yourself right onto the page and register from there. Well, text me that. I'll put it underneath your picture that we already have up on Facebook. And uh, 
like I said, I think you the products you're also uh, uh, developing. I think you might want to check out uh, Biodiverse <laughs> to, to check that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. you might have a new marketing guy right there with that with Greg Winston and Biodiverse. So uh, Nichelle Allison, I want to thank you very much, and uh, let's stay in touch so we can keep uh, the people uh, with the correct information about nutrition, diet, frame of mind. I guess it's all related. So, but thank you very much. Thank you. Outstanding scholar you are, you are. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a quick break and come back after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. A good friend of mine passed away recently, and uh, we were like two of the tokens and personnel at Boeing over 40, almost 50 years ago. Uh, her name is Kiku Hayashi. Did a lot of work with a lot of nonprofits in the community. Very dedicated servant to the people. I had the opportunity to see her uh, early part of August at a fun uh, at a social at uh, Lim and Pat Howell's house, and uh, didn't have she looked very well, didn't appear to have any issues. So I just want to uh, send my condolences out to Kiku Hayashi's family, and uh, hopefully, if anything happens, I'd like to know about it. So I'd like to be there to show my support for her dedication to the people. But I also want to say that we want to thank. Uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office uh, with me and Rice, you just heard from the City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office, Liz Alzier at the helm, Sound Transit's Labor Chief, Leslie Jones, and the Civil Rights Chief, uh, John Tay Robinson. Uh, Stephanie Ogle does our website and our supporters or Concourse Concessions out of SeaTac and SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. The two Desert Storm veterans might have to put their uniforms back on with the way things are going. So, uh, 
Have we have uh, uh, Mr. Gosson on as of yet? Um, I'm on the phone. I'm sorry, Mr. Larry G. You're a very important guest today. As you know, as we talked earlier about uh, uh, two things, really. One was uh, uh, you were a sophomore at Garfield in November of 1961 when uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. addressed two assemblies there. So I'd just like to have, you know, the 60th anniversary of his only visit to Seattle is coming up next month on the 6th, 7th, and 8th. And just want you to share with our listeners, since you're one of the people who actually got to see and hear him while he was in Seattle, the still, the still around, we'd like to just have you share your reflections uh, from uh, that day. On that day in early November 1961, uh, it was a profoundly impactful day on all the black students at Garfield. And I would estimate, uh, Eddie, that about 55, 60% of the uh, students at uh, Garfield are African Americans. And I doubt if there's over 3% in any other high school in the entire city. That's how racially uh, separate Seattle was. Just that most white people didn't think about it one way or another. So they'd be shocked. And they were shocked when he was here. And uh, you can hear a lot of them talking about we don't have racial discrimination in Seattle. But the reason that he was brought here was to stimulate uh, a movement against, excuse me, for open housing in Seattle, Washington. Uh, because at the time that he visited, and he shared this with us, and some of the people that were involved in the recently organized or Congress of Racial Equality Organization in Seattle, shared this with me, about 88% of all black people in Seattle lived in the central area on November 8, 1961. And most of the other 12%, Mr. Rye, lived in one of the four housing projects in Seattle at that time, Holly Park, Green Air Vista, Yesla Terrace, or the biggest one out in High Point in West Seattle. Uh, so Seattle was extremely extremely segregated. We were shocked at students to hear that. We knew that all of us lived in the central area, but we didn't put any social context to it until he came. And he got us to thinking, and more importantly, got adults in Seattle to thinking because of uh, uh, an open housing movement did start. They found that most of the uh, housing discrimination in Seattle was more indirect than direct. That is, there were no laws in Seattle that said you could not, no direct laws said you can't rent or sell houses to Seattle. Rather, it was in the form of covenant. The people that lived and in, moved into neighborhoods and purchased their house, they signed a covenant that we will not rent, we will not sell to Negroes, Japanese, and in some cases, Jews. So that was the situation in Seattle at that time. And Martin Luther King Jr. did spark a movement around that issue. We didn't deal with it totally in Seattle until 1968 when Sam Smith uh, was a new member of the Seattle City Council. And uh, another thing, too, is I want people to know that uh, we just had Reverend Bomani, you know, we keep going back to uh, uh, the efforts that uh, Ron Sims and was it uh, Bruce Olson was a Republican uh, that first proposed a name change of 
the county to Martin Luther King from William Rufus B. Devaney King, who was a slave owner. Uh, but things didn't really get no, started. It, it to was, you. Uh, it was, uh, uh, oh, was it Olson or Lang? No, Lang. I want to okay, yeah. serving. He was still on the uh, county council, uh, Brother Rye, when I joined in 1994. Uh, but it was in 1986 when they made Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. Uh, a national holiday under President Reagan. And that was something for Reagan to do, given how racist he was. But yes. <laughs> a lot of national pressure. And when it was done in Seattle, uh, there was a Seattle post-intelligence uh, reporter, whose name is escaping me right now, who wrote a good article. And he suggested in the article, wow, we're already King County. Wouldn't it be something to have our county named after uh, African-American leader? No. I think that was Shelby Skates. Okay. He, then he said, no, not African-American. He's a leader for, then he decided that this guy is a leader for all fair-minded Seattle life. And when he said that, Bruce Lane ran down to Ron Sims' office, because Ron was already on the county council, and said, wouldn't it be neat if we became a county named uh, after uh, Dr. King? And immediately Ron Sims liked the idea they ran with it, and they found that the only political entity that could change the name of King County was the state legislature and the governor of Washington State. But they still went forth, and uh, uh, I forgot what they call that. They just nominally, they advised the state that this county be renamed after Martin Luther King, but they didn't do it. It didn't happen until you, my brother, challenge uh, Larry Gossett at an actual Martin Luther King rally 13 years later in 1999 and said, this is ridiculous. This county uh, should be named after Dr. King. Yes, we uh, applaud and, and, and salute Dr. King's uh, work every year, but we do it on the uh, third Monday, said you, and then we should have this county named after Dr. King so that everybody would relate to each and every day. And you got a big response uh, from the audience and Councilmember Gossett felt he had no choice but to start moving on this issue. And thankful to Adam's client, Senator Adam Planner, this legislation eight times before yeah, it passed in was, 2005. He was, he was the uh, main it, legislator that was critical. Right. All the other legislators supported it. But he actually yeah. put it before the Senate. Our other legislators of from the 37th and 43rd District of Color, were all House of Representatives members. Mm -hmm. and, and they didn't have leadership positions where they could put something on the agenda. Adam did. He was the leader of a committee. And every year he tried to get it passed. And finally in 2005, six years after you proposed it, um, Adam Klein was able to get the Senate to, to vote. 57 or 77, I forgot how many people are in this yeah. uh, to nothing. And then the House voted something like 60, 40 to follow through. And then we were honored, as I hope you recall, that Governor Gregoire was uh, decent enough to come up to King County and sign the legislation in front of all of us in April of night in 2006. Mm -hmm. so now, another thing on, on uh, 
on Saturday uh, is going to be the uh, annual fundraiser for El Centro de la Raza. It's virtual, but uh, Estella is going to be on in a minute or two. I was trying to get on early because we got Mark Moriel coming on at the end of the hour. Uh, but uh, it's online, and we're asking people to support El Centro de la Raza. Matter of fact, Larry, I'm going to repost the picture tomorrow when we uh, took over city council on behalf oh, yeah, of uh, El Centro. Picture. On I behalf of, yeah, you would. You were the secretary. We had all the city council members in the door with Charlie James looking in. And the yeah. good thing is that they had about 100 police officers upstairs, but Wes Oldman wouldn't let them come downstairs because we could have had a serious problem that day. But yeah. thankful for a mayor that had some compassion and, and understanding, uh, they stayed in place and didn't, uh, didn't come down. So we were fortunate there. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we have Estella on right now. Estella Ortega. Hello? Stella, are you there? Yeah, yes. she, she's there. Okay, Thank Stella. You. Okay, yeah, why don't you briefly tell us about the event. Uh, Larry has, uh, went over Martin Luther King with us. Now, everything is online, and go ahead, and this is the what year, what anniversary is this for El Centro de la Raza? This is going to be El Centro de la Raza's 49th anniversary, which means next year the organization will be 50 years old. Oh, and I great. know that, you know, Larry, when we yeah. occupied that building, you know, almost 49 years ago, you know, I, I don't even think that we imagined what 50 years meant and, you know, all that that meant to the developing, you know, what we say today is Dr. King's beloved community. Right. Um, you know, it, in some ways, it's a miracle that we survived, you know, with all the the difficulties it is and starting something from less than nothing, if you will, and, you know, to, to get where we are today. And there's a lot more. As an organization, El Centro is doing relatively well, but our community needs so much. There's so much pain and suffering still in our community. And when we talk about racial equity, you know, our communities have not, you know, we're not meeting what those goals of, of racial equity means in terms of the well-being of our communities to be housed and educated with health care and living lives that are not about just surviving, but really being alive in their lives. And, and living life, you know, with dignity and justice. So we need to let uh, Christian Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin know uh, they need to, like uh, the sister from St. Louis said, they need to come to my neighborhood. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Stella, why don't you uh, tell us about the event Saturday, how people can be supportive and how they can get information. Well, um, the, the event is on Saturday, and it's a virtual event. We were hoping to have a hybrid, but with the growth of what's happening with the Delta, we had to, you know, plan a virtual event. We are having, uh, you know, we've got a silent auction online, and it's doing extremely well. Um, people can, you know, obviously contribute uh, to the organization, and whenever we get back to you know, whatever normal might be, you know, to come to a centro, to visit, you know, to be a part of volunteering and a part of sharing who we who we are as a people and, you know, our culture and and just getting to know each other. And, and again, mm -hmm. that builds community and builds strength. It's, it builds 
um, you know, power to the people, as we used to say in the early 70s. Um, so we still say how, how do we all power to the people. people. That's right. But what I, I'm going to post uh, uh, our takeover city council on my Facebook page. And I'm also going to post over my, my granddaughter by love, not by blood, uh, uh, Niyasha Mirari, who was a student in Jose Marti. She, her name was her name was Diego, as she was a student in that program. And as a matter of fact, was a graduate of the Jose Marti preschool. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, well, look, I want to thank both of you and... Uh, uh, Stella, this, this program will replay again on Saturday morning, and I'll also put some more information on my Facebook page underneath your picture. And uh, Larry, I want to thank you very much. And uh, I will well, see what I can do about getting some more support for uh, Elson De La Rosa on Saturday. Yeah. Well, uh, Eddie, if you've got a couple of minutes or even a minute, I'd like to tell people about a couple of things that we're doing. We are um, going to be building affordable housing in Columbia City. Uh, we hope to be breaking brown uh, ground next year in the wintertime of 2022. And one of the, I, I think, extremely important development is that we, if for South County, we are going to be developing a re-engagement center to bring, uh, to help kids get their high school credentials or, you know, get a couple of credits so that they can officially graduate. And that's going to be out here in South County because, it truly is the desert um, that there are not okay. significant services okay. to help. Okay. Okay. So you guys, uh, so Larry haven't been by, well, I guess we, nobody's been anywhere with the way things are going, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody got to be safe. Uh, Larry, I, you know, you're a former basketball player. Uh, that Kyrie Irving, man, those guys, I don't know about them at all, but if he loses $400,000 a game, I think he might wake up. But, you know, a basketball is a very serious sport. People are breathing on each other. They're all on each other. Yeah. And if you get the Delta. It, I don't know why there's so many black and Latino people that don't want to get a shot and take it. Especially when we died disproportionately. Blacks and Latinos died disproportionately when COVID-19 first hit. I, know, I just don't they, understand they, it. The doctors are making that up. They got to stupid for everything. They but if you go to the hospital saying. and look at the death, they look at the deaths. 98% of the people in the hospital did not get a vaccination and 98% of the people dying were not vaccinated. And yeah, I know, uh, statistics are lying. No. Well, we just, <laughs> Eddie, we just have to make it more, more. Hey, confusing. Eddie, how are you? Okay, here we go. Oh. We got, uh, we got, uh, president CEO Mark Morial. I just wanted, there are two people. I just want you to say hi to one is former County council member, Larry Gossett, who led the charge, the name of this County, Martin Luther King, Jr. County and Estella Ortega, is getting ready to do their 49th anniversary, and we had to occupy a elementary school for them to get that in 1972. So I just wanted you to say hi hey, to them. Hey, my pleasure to, to catch up with both of you all. Thank you for your contributions yeah, to Justin. And, and well, it's such an honor. Such an honor, sir. And thank you for being willing to come before our people up here in, in Martin Luther King, no. Jr. County. We appreciate no, it. No, I'm, 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 I'm excited, right. and I will refer to it as Martin Luther King County. Right. That's right. Here on out. That's right. right. We, we appreciate it. Okay, Estella and Larry, thank you very much. I want to go to the, uh, right, right now, uh, the National Urban League is in the middle of their virtual conference. Today was Small Business Day. Tomorrow is Tech Friday. And uh, uh, Mr. CEO Moriel, we had a guy on earlier by the name of Greg Winston that has a platform called Bidiverse, where he's encouraging entre uh, minority entrepreneurs 
to put their products on, uh, on his uh, platform. And I told him he needs to check out the tech summit tomorrow that the National Urban League is sponsoring. So I think he'll be online. But why don't Fantastic. you give us an update on, on how Yeah, hey, thanks, is going. thanks for having me. Thanks for everything you do and have done. Uh, yeah, National Urban League Virtual Annual Conference is going on now, day three of four. We've had some 6,000 plus people uh, participate. And as you know, when COVID began, we all thought and certainly we thought we'd lose the chance to bring people together. But our event team and our communications team and marketing team, they just figured out how to, if you will, curate and organize thought leadership on social justice and a range of issues and do it virtually. So anyone listening, check it out at nul.org. It's the National Urban League's Virtual Annual Conference. And as you indicated, today we're focusing on entrepreneurship, Black entrepreneurship, focusing on supporting small businesses, lifting them up, giving them pathways to capital, to technical assistance, to customers, and to connections. Tomorrow, all things tech. Uh, and we know that's a big and a very important issue, but we also want to showcase African-American tech firms uh, with respect to that. So we've got uh, a really exciting uh, day tomorrow. Yesterday was career day. Urban League is always about jobs. Uh, we had virtual job fairs and people's ability to connect with employers around the country. So uh, that was so significant. And Monday, we had the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, uh, to kick off our conference and talk about voting uh, and policing uh, and economic development and infrastructure and all the very important things that you and I, uh, we're always working for and fighting for. So the virtual annual conference, I, I want people to check it out. Uh, if you don't get a chance to check it out this week, you go to our website, you'll be able to look at replays of it. Uh, it has been really, really an example of how we can continue to stay connected, even with COVID, through the use of technology. And that's that's great because uh, it's a good thing that people like Greg Winston is coming up with this biodiversity platform, which allows because a lot of people might be able to come up with a fantastic product, but if you can't market it, you know you just have a fantastic product. So I'm I'm just happy I, I informed him about the uh, national conference I, and I he should check it out tomorrow. You. Look, we're glad that there's a black entrepreneur creating a platform where it's in effect a common market. Uh, a place that people can go. And so many small entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, the uh, ability to utilize the internet to grow and build businesses is something that we want our black entrepreneurs to get better at, uh, to become optimal at it. And uh, we have uh, within the Urban League movement, we've got an online store. Uh, that online store sells, of course, Urban League swag. Uh, and just today, I mean, we had hundreds of visitors uh, to the store just today. We just launched it uh, today. And it's just an example of uh, how it is many times more, more available, easier to do business uh, through an online platform. So uh, we welcome uh, this brother tomorrow. Uh, I want to change gear right quick. Uh, the stalemate and the quagmire in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, President Joseph Biden campaign on what the uh, what the progressives are saying 
should be what their ass should be. This is what he campaigned on. And obviously, this is what the overwhelming number of voters uh, bought into was uh, what was the promise was to to bring some uh, uh, quality of life to people who were not having a quality of life in a lot of areas. Uh, what are your comments on that? You know, Eddie, look, bottom line, there's no Republican support for any Democratic agenda item, with the exception of infrastructure. So infrastructure certainly, I think, is a pathway to enactment. The budget reconciliation bill is being held up by two members of the Senate, Mr. Manchin of West Virginia, Ms. Cinema of Arizona. Uh, and it is unfortunate that they are risking uh, the entire, if you will, opportunity to implement the agenda that the people want and the people voted for. Uh, if they have a number, if they have specific things they want, they need to put it on the table. It's too important where we are now. Now you see all of these people. I saw one senator on carping about the deficit and the debt. You know, these right-wingers pull old arguments out of the closet, dust them off. No one talked about the deficit when Mr. Trump was president and he ran up the deficit through tax cuts and military spending. No one said a word. In fact, they made a counter argument. The economy will grow to such an extent that any tax cut will be offset with new tax collection. It was a bogus argument. Now, why now that it is about Medicare, it is about Medicaid, it is about job training, it is about paid family leave, it is about a variety of things that are about people do all these old arguments come out of the closet. So let's not be tricked or fooled. Let's not be uh, distracted uh, when we know that when people basically ended the Trump presidency after only one term, they were voting for change. Joe Biden, look, he put the agenda uh, on the docket. It passed the House of Representatives. Now it's stymied in the United States Senate. Voting rights stymied in the United States Senate. Police reform stymied in the United States Senate. Jobs bill package for people. So we're going to have to continue to work and fight. Uh, and you made a great point, Eddie. These proposals are broadly popular with people, whether they're D's, R's, I, independents, uh, whether they live in Washington State or Washington, D.C., whether they live in Texas or Oklahoma or Arizona or Maryland or Pennsylvania. These measures are popular because they're right. You're right, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. CEO and President Mark Moriel, we're out of time today. I need a half an hour with you next time, brother. We're going to hook keep it up, up the good work, and I'll be on Thank the Tech you. Summit tomorrow. Because I want to make you, sure Eddie. you know about the Always. MLK Gandhi Empowered Initiative, our initiative to train African descendants, United States enslaved to be digital uh, proficient. And we got jobs waiting on them. I'm going to send you that deck so you can see it. And I'm working with Michelle Merriweather. Yeah, the president of the great system. Let me shout, That's right. Got Michelle out, great leader for us there in Martin Luther King County in the great city of Seattle. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Okay.
So Eric, we've got enough time for the last break and we will go. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. Contests are the responsibility of the hosts of this program and not KKNW. This is Alternative Talk 1150 AM, KKNW Seattle, and KNUC 98.9 HD3 Seattle. Well, good afternoon. Eric Ryder here with you on KKNW. We're approaching 3 o'clock. Time for a quick look at our afternoon commute. Southbound I-5 struggles from North Gateway to I-90. Slowing from the Duwamish River curves to South 188 and slow south in State Route 18 of the Fife area. Northbound between Northeast 175th and Mount Lake Terrace is slow. Further north between 526 and just north of US-2, heavy traffic. 405 southbound congestion stop and go through Bell.